you are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA. My name is Matt Moore. Thanks for joining us. We are part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us as we recap Monday night in the NBA playoffs. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network and co-host over at Locked On Nuggets. His name's Tony East. You can follow him on Twitter at T East NBA. He is co-host, primary host. You're like, are you the primary host? Yes, yes, yes. I never listen. Like when I listen, nobody else is on, so it's just Tony. He's host of Locked On Pacers, and we are going to talk about some NBA playoff games, which. I'm very excited for all of the puns you're going to be unleashing tonight. I'm very excited for this. The Suns and Heat won, which means the action was hot. It was scorching. And I will continue to beat these jokes through your brain as we as we cut through the heat of the night. <laughs> the heat of the night. Uh, phenomenal 80s and 90s show on TBS. All right. Let's go ahead and get started here with the first game of the night. Let's start with Heat and Sixers. So no Joel Embiid for the Sixers. And in the first half... Like Sixers, Heat get out to a big lead. Looks like, uh oh, Sixers are in trouble. Like this looks like they just can't do it without Embiid. But then uh, the Heat absolutely just screw around in the second quarter. Just completely mess around. Really, they have five turnovers in the second quarter. Uh, they shoot eight of twenty and one of six from three. And the Sixers wind up with a lead at halftime. Hey, maybe this is a, this is James Harden's moment. Maybe finally. And then the second half happened. I never want to like, you know, form an opinion before the game ends, but I'm not going to lie at halftime with the Sixers were three of 17 from deep and we're winning. I was kind of like, Oh my God, like that. <laughs> I'm ready to, to, you know, come in and be like, what are the heat doing? You know, how could they like Deandre Jordan just started and they're losing at halftime. And then the heat in typical heat fashion, Go to halftime and Eric Spolster says, guys, what the hell? And they figure it out and they have absolutely no difficulty in the second half. And it was funny in the first half. And I'm, I mean, like, we'll talk about this a little bit in more depth. But, like, DeAndre Jordan started. It went horrible. And then other backup centers came in and it went much better. So in the second half, I kind of thought, oh, maybe they'll change with the lineups. And they didn't at, at <laughs> all. <laughs> and so the Heat came out in the second half, slightly adjust their game plan, and all of a sudden everything's just clicking for them. Bam was excellent for them, especially in the second half. Like you mentioned, Tyler Hero had a really nice scoring night. So – Coming out in the second half and just dominating the game. It was a very Heat-esque and Spolstra-esque kind of game. Yeah, for as much as it's like, hey, the Sixers missed a bunch of threes and they were in it at halftime. Well, Jimmy Butler was 5 of 16 in this game for 15 points um, with three assists and two turnovers. Like, not a great game from Jimmy tonight. And yet, you know, they went handle a Bam was fantastic. Bam was just in complete control. 8 of 10 from the field for 24 points. 12 boards, four assists, two steals, one block, three stocks in the game, a plus 26. They just roasted him, just absolutely annihilated him. Um, I, let's talk about, about the DeAndre Jordan thing. So Jordan starts. There's a there's a bunch of talk about this, like, will he start? And I was like, he's definitely going to start. Like Doc Rivers said in the regular season that Jordan would play versus big lineups and Paul Reed, B-Ball Paul, would play versus small. With the Raptors, they literally don't have centers. <laughs> like they have Precious Achua and Ken Birch. So I knew that he would pl- he would play B ball Paul in the backup minutes behind Embiid. I knew he would look at Bam out of bio and be like, Oh, that's a big man. We got we gotta have a big man versus Bam, or he's gonna be us on the boards, which I don't know why. Bam six nine. What what are we doing here? Um, so DeAndre Jordan winds up being a minus 
22. He finishes with four points on two of two shooting, two rebounds, two rebounds, mind you, in 17 minutes, uh, two blocks, but a minus 22. He's not going to change either. East, like he's not, he's not going to change. Uh, I think the fact that he started the second half is all I need to know to know that he's not going to change. Like that's how bad the, and I mean, you know this, but like that's how bad the start of this game was. He got benched in like four minutes and they didn't play the rest of the half. And he was minus 12. They were getting smoked, like you mentioned, right at the beginning. And they were winning at halftime. Like, the minutes without him went well. And then he was like, you know what? Let's, let's go back to DeAndre Jordan. And then he goes in the media session and says, we like DJ. We're going to keep playing him, whether you like it or not. Like, yes! understanding the tone of media going, what are you doing? You know, that it, – it, it was bad. It was rough. And I understand that their options aren't great with him beat out. Like DeAndre is a statue now. Paul, Paul Reed is awesome, uh, but he's also a really young dude who makes a ton of mistakes and fouls like crazy, right? Like all these, they played Niang at center a bunch in the first half. Paul Millsap also statuesque, at least a little more mobile. Like they don't have good options, right? I'm I, I am receptive to that, but DeAndre Jordan is the worst of the options. And they, they if you can steal even one game. Before Embiid comes back, that's huge. They were up at halftime to not adjust at all. I thought was was flummoxing. This is exactly what he did in the Nuggets series where they they lost the three one lead. This is the exact same thing, or he just wouldn't adjust. Like it was like no matter what, like you just want and and it does get to this point where he's resistant to the plus minus, and so he wants to go. The it's fine to not care about the numbers. That's fine. It's not great in my opinion, but it's fine. We can disagree. That's fine. But Doc seems to go the other way, where it's like it hardens his position, where it's like, it's like, no, 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 just because you don't want me to, I'm going to do it more. And because, like, Sixers fans have been calling for it. The media has been making a big deal out of it. Like, everybody knows that B-Ball Paul's a better option. Now, Paul, Paul had five, five fouls tonight, right? Like, he's going to foul out in the series. But give yourselves a chance. Like, you got to give yourself a chance. You know, their best option probably is going to be, like, Tobias Harris at five. Tobias, by the way. Great game. Uh, shout shouts to, to Toby for 27 points, 11 of 18 shooting, six rebounds, making big shots, trying to get them back into this game. Uh, Harden finishes with just 16 points on five of 13. Everybody's like, this is James Harden's moment. Nope. Nine rebounds, five assists, five turnovers. Like, nope. Just not, not nearly good enough. I'll, I'll say this. So from a, a number standpoint and watching the game and you, you, you see the Sixers with a six of 34 shooting night. Right. And you go uh, from three and you go, they can play better than that. That's true. I think the Sixers can play better than that. The problem I have is like, I actually think the heat can play much better. I think the heat underperformed in this game. I think both teams underperformed in this game. Yeah, I do too. And I would still like to give Eric Spolstra like so much credit for, just the way he operates in the playoffs, he puts his fingerprints all over these games. Like this is uh, Tyrese Maxey is not an awesome defender, but even Nick Nurse, who's a really good tactician, did not go as ma- at Maxey as much as the Heat did really early in this game. Like they were like, "We're going right at this dude," and it worked. And then Spo has the audacity to be like, "Hey, Duncan Robinson, <laughs> you've been great for us in the playoffs in seasons past. One of the best shooters in the league in seasons past. You know what?" You're not playing. We, we we're, you're not playing. We need we need ball handlers. We need dynamic play to, to get to the rim and, and take out these centers. Perfect, perfect decision. No Duncan Robinson, no problem. Caleb Barton was great off the bench. Victor Oladipo continues to find ways to, to succeed. Tyler Hero was excellent. Like Spo just gets it. 
when the postseason comes and pushes the right buttons and gets the right game plans. And it always impresses me so much. And yet his team still missed a bajillion open shots and allowed the Sixers with Paul Reed to take them over. So I agree with you that I think both teams think they can play better. And I think the Heat probably have more room to go up because they have Spo running the show and they can figure stuff out a little easier. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of it just gets into the dynamics of when you are in Spo's position where you have a guaranteed contract and the full backing of the front office and the full backing of ownership, when it's just like, no, 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 Spo's the coach and he runs the team. Now, like, he's not going to bench Jimmy Butler, right? Like, he's not going to, he's not going to, he wouldn't have to, but he would not, if it, if it was a bad matchup for Jimmy, I can't imagine one, but if there was one, he wouldn't bench him. But he can bench dudes like Duncan Robinson, who even though they make a lot of money, he can bench him. Like, this is the biggest thing in the playoffs to me is, if you have guys that are not good for the matchup, you need to be able to just be like, hey, it's not your match. Like, I, I need you to not play for six games and then you'll be back. Like, I'm definitely going to need you next round. I just don't need you now because you cannot put Duncan Robinson on the court, James Harden, because Harden's just going to be like, ah, weak point, that guy. That's what Duncan Robinson shot 53% from deep in the first round and supposed to, nah, we, nah, I don't need that. I'm good. I don't want that. <laughs> Thanks for your contributions. We'll see you in about mm, it's, it's, four, five to six games. It, it's crazy that he does this stuff. And yeah, a lot of credit. Even Jimmy's defense was really solid. Bam was amazing. Max Strews played good defense as well. Like, they just get a lot out of these guys, and their defense has been so smothering for forever. And some people, me included, were like, okay, the Hawks, you know, you shut down Trey Young, you shut down a lot of them. Sixers are a little better. And they still did a really good job of, of being the unit that they've been all season that makes them such a threatening team. Yeah, that said, look, I think for the Heat, this is about, for the Sixers, I also think this is about, obviously, you want to try and steal game two, but learn as much as you can about the matchups. Hope Doc actually pays attention to them. And then in game three, when MB comes back, maybe you can. Like set yourself up to come from behind in this series. Like that honestly needs to be games one and two. It's like there's a, the reports are that that game three or game four he's back. Like game three is the Waterloo, right? That's the the moment. That's like the the last stand. You got to make your stand in game three. You honestly don't need to win game two because you're on the road. That's a good. That's honestly the good thing about not having home court without Embiid. Is it's like okay, it, it's the the numbers for losing the first two games are bad, but it's it's better if you lose them on the road. Get back to Philly for game three, and maybe you can make uh, a series out of it when MB gets back. Let's take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk about the other game of the night as Luka Doncic had himself a phenomenal, incredible scoring performance, and it did not matter. Did did not matter. We'll talk about that when we come back on Locked on NBA. But first, I got to tell you about prize picks. Are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? You got to try the award-winning app, Prize Picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. We love it, and we know that you're going to, too. You pick two to five players and over under on their projections. Uh, I took Luca over and Jalen Brunson under because Jalen doesn't do well versus long defenders. Heard that from Mass fans all season, and I knew the Suns were going to play drop coverage and Luca was going to score a lot. Easy stuff there. You can win up to ten times on entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in sixty seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe and it offers fast withdrawals. You can use the award-winning app on both Google Play and the App Store. You can use any sort of app or prop that you want. So points scored, uh, rebounds, even steals. Love me some defensive props. They love mixed sport entries. They've got college basketball and college football, NFL, MLB, which is in season, obviously. Soccer, get yourself some MLS on there, MMA, and more. 
And for a limited time, PrizePix has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for our users. Users get $50 for free if a player in their first PrizePix entry scores a single point. But you got to use code NBA. That's right, an exclusive offer just for our listeners. Sign up today and use code NBA and get $50 for free if a player in your first PrizePix entry scores a single point. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. Back here on Lockdown NBA. Thanks for making this part of your day and your first listen each and every day. Make sure you check out the Lockdown NBA Big Board. Host Rafael Barlow from the NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletter is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin to give fans an in-depth look into the NBA Draft, Mock Draft, Player Rankings, and, of course, the Big Boards. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. All right, back here on Lockdown NBA with Tony East. We're breaking down the games in the NBA playoffs for Monday night. As Tony, Dallas Mavericks headed to the Valley to take on the Suns. Uh, funny trend that I found here. I have a trend for you. In 2018, the Rockets played the Jazz and they beat them. And then they played the Warriors and they lost game one. In 2019, the Rockets beat the Jazz. And then in the next round, game one, they played the Warriors <laughs> and they lost. In 2020, in the bubble, the Denver Nuggets beat the Utah Jazz coming from behind 3-1. They then faced the Los Angeles Clippers, and they lost game one. 2021, the Clippers beat the Jazz. Come from behind victory again. They go and they face the Suns in game one, and, and they lose. Teams have lost after game one after beating the Jazz each of the last one, two, three, four, five times. They've lost game one after facing uh, the after beating the Utah Jazz. Now, a lot of that's they were underdogs. A lot of that's they were on the road. I just kind of find it funny because it's it's definitely to me like an example of, oh, this is much harder when there's not just like one easy answer. When the answer is not guess the word and it's blank A-T, name for a feline. Like the test gets a lot harder and it seems like there's a struggle. Yeah, more good stat. Hot stat after a hot win. More hot, more heat. I didn't get as many in as I wanted. Talking about the heat, so I got to sneak some in. Much like Luka Doncic, you got to get those numbers up. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, that's interesting. And yes, I think going from the Jazz point of attack defense to the Suns point of attack defense is quite the adjustment for any team. Uh, Luka seemed to figure it out. Nobody else really did. Not. Uh, there was like two seconds of this fourth quarter where I thought maybe Dallas had kind of figured it out, I guess. But they, I don't know, they, they weirdly like didn't have the intensity early in this game. And the Suns were just ready. Like they, They're a machine. I think they're going to be a machine this whole postseason. And you know, from the tip, they looked like the better team. And this one, to me, like Luka had 45. So I feel weird being like, he's not the story. Because if he plays like that every game, I'd give them a good shot in this game. But you know, I think Isaac Harris, the host of Lockdown Maps, tweeted this as well. But what really highlighted the difference between the Jazz and the Suns to me is Gobert is is fantastic on lobs and has some, I guess, decent touch. But Aiton takes it up a notch in terms of what you have to defend touch-wise in the paint inside 5 to 10 feet. And he showed that perfectly in this game. It allowed the Suns to play inside out in a way that made them really dominant. He had 25 points, 12 for 20 from the field, 8 rebounds. He was a really big part of the Suns' win. They gave him the ball. I'm so excited. This is always their problem. They will face these switching teams, and oftentimes they don't give Aiden a chance to eat him up. And he did. He ate him up with those floaters and short drop hooks and some dunks inside. That's like that's the formula. If the Mavs are going to play all these small dudes, if they're going to go five out. You got to punish them the way that Rudy Gobert can. You got to be able to punish them. And Aiden did that. Like I thought it was a phenomenal game from him. Um, a sublime performance from Chris Paul again. This is the standard that he's at right now. But 19 points on seven of 13 shooting five. 
rebound were creating a lot of secondary assists. They wound up with uh, 27 assists on 46 made baskets versus uh, it's just 16 for the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, so he was great. Booker got his with 23 points, only 7 to 20 shooting, but uh, was totally fine. Paul was a plus 14 in this game. Aiden was a plus 10. Like they just beat him up. Cam Johnson was 17 points after a rough series in the first round versus the Pelicans. Good to see Cam Johnson getting loose again. Let me ask you. Okay. So, so just to repeat this, Luca goes for 45, 12 and eight on 50% shooting from the field and hits four threes. He was a minus four. Okay. And that's after all the stuff at the end. I think the Suns entirely are fine with, with Luca having big scoring nights. I think the eight assists are going to be what they're going to actually be like. We got to cut that down. I genuinely I, think that their entire thing is going to be, you're going to have to, you're going to have to score 60 a game to beat us. I 100% agree. And you, when you went through the assist stats, like he had half of the Mavs assists, right? Like they were like, yeah, anyone else, <laughs> literally you, you score all you want. Anyone else, we're shutting you down. No water for you. Top knife, Reggie Bullock, Dorian Finney-Smith was okay, but like Brunson, like you mentioned, couldn't really get it going with the length. Then when he couldn't get it going, Maxi Kleba, if he wasn't on fire from three, he wouldn't have been able to get it going. And he did, credit to him, and they were able to find him for a few things. But yeah, they, they had a lot of trouble with penetration and creation and things like that because, like we mentioned, between the Jazz and Suns, the point of attack defense really ramps up. The Suns are way more connected on that end of the floor. Really well-coached defensive team. It's not even like they were coughing over uh, coughing up all these turnovers. Only eight turnovers for the Mavs. They just couldn't create good shots, which is a bunch of credit to the Suns' defense. So this game got close at the end, and that's like an you know that kind of suggests like, hey, maybe the Mavericks figure some stuff out. Here, here's what I actually genuinely think happened: is if you look at the shot quality in this game, and I was kind of tracking it, the Suns for most of the game were shooting like 16 percentage points better than expected, and that's based off of the shooter, not just like location, but based off of these specific shooters, 16 percentage points better. That's extremely, uh, uh, what's the word, the other word for warm here, Tony? What's the, <laughs> uh, hot. Hot. hot, they were very hot. Um, now the, the counter argument is like, look, this is what the Suns do is they're tough shot makers. And like, they hit the, that's what they've consistently been. They were in the regular season about, they were 10th, but they were only about based off of the actual shooters, they were less than like a percentage point better than expected. So my point here is the Suns really did overperform offensively and that covered up a lot of their defensive issues. I actually thought the Suns defense was not great in this game. Like they did not lock down and it's not that Luca got loose. It was that they just simply weren't keeping everybody kind of contained. The Mavericks kind of underperformed enough in that category to go 16 of 39 from three, but that's still 41%. Like they gave up 16 three pointers. And the Suns this season have actually been, they have a losing record when giving up more than 15 threes. So this actually isn't necessarily the model for what you want. Now, much like in the Heat game, I do think like Phoenix, I think, can play better defensively. And towards the, that margin at the end of the game, I think is probably more in line with what we're going to see. In terms of it being a close, I don't think there's a lot of overreactions of just like, man, Dallas just cannot hang. And the reason is the Suns hit everything. The Mavs didn't hit everything, didn't have a terrible shooting night, but didn't have a great one in terms of from the field, good shooting night from three. And that combination, I think, led into this idea of the being wider. The garbage time, the Suns definitely let off the gas. But I actually think that that margin at the end is probably going to be a little bit more indicative. I like the Suns to win the series, but I don't necessarily expect game two 
or a lot of games in this series to actually be blowouts based off of how game one went. I kind of want the Mavs to go with more three guard units. Yeah, hmm. I, I just I think getting a little more penetration on the floor could be helpful. And you know, Jay Crowder, they they like him as the defender. Mikael Bridges, obviously defensive player of the year candidate, and they have a lot of other at least solid, especially Kim Johnson and Tory Craig played a couple minutes, I suppose. Like ways to sort of defend strong ball handling, but I think if the Mavs got a third one out there, that would allow them to get a little bit more penetration. And they, they you mentioned it, they got the good quality of threes. They hit forty one percent of them. Like if they could just have that a little more consistently, or have that a little more forceful over the course of the whole game, I think that would allow them to, like you said, keep this a little, keep it at that distance, or keep it even closer than that going forward. Especially if Luke is going to be what he was in this game. Yeah, I think the Mavs are really up against it in terms of the bigs. Like you look at Powell only played 1546 and was a minus 10. So they gave Kleba the run because they're like, this is who we beat the Jazz with. Spoiler, the Suns are not the Jazz. 2453 in terms of playing time for Kleba, and he was a minus 16. So it's like they got they lost both ends of that perspective. They're gonna have to get really creative and go either they're either gonna have to go insanely small. Or I actually kind of, one of their issues, I get the three guard idea. The problem I have is um, I've heard from Maz, I, I just paid a lot of attention to Maz fans comments this year. And there's a big kind of undercurrent with them about Jalen Brunson and his inability to score versus length. And if you notice in that jazz series, he's cooking Donovan Mitchell short guard. So these longer defenders and you saw it tonight, Brunson just had a miserable night the entire night. I just wonder if this is not going to necessarily be his series. And I wonder if they actually need to size up a little bit more is go with Luca and Dinwiddie and then go, you know, DFS Bullock. Um, and then whatever the best option at center is just Are we beating around the bush. Is Boban the answer? <laughs> I'm not saying he's, he is. I'm not saying he's not. I think it'd be an interesting twist to throw in there. Probably not the answer though. Um, that that I think is kind of where the issue kind of becomes though is is the entire Mavs construct is like heliocentric around Luca. It's Luca does everything and sets up other dudes. And in the Jazz series, when he was out, they targeted the switches. The Suns did what I thought they were going to do in this game, which is they were going to like, you know what, we're not going to switch. We're going to we we've got Javale McGee and DeAndre Ayton and Bismack, and we're just going to play drop. And Luca's going to score a lot, but the rest of you are going to have to prove that you can beat us because we're not helping down and we're not going to give you a bunch of wide open pick and pop threes. We're not going to do it. So what are you going to, how's that going to go? Um, and the answer is like offensively for the Mavs, terrible. Like it wasn't terrible, but defensively they really couldn't hang with them. And that, and that I think is going to be the question is, you know, if the Suns have a, have a, a rougher shooting night, there's obviously I think a chance for them to steal this game. Look, the Mavs had a 120 offensive rating in this game. That that's what I was gonna say. Like I wa- like watching the whole game. Like it felt like the Suns were in control the whole time, playing way better. And I, every time I look at the box score, like I click off this tab of us talking together, I'm like, oh, this the Mavs will live with that. Oh, the Mavs. Like a lot of the box score stuff. I, I bet if you like offered it to the Mavs before the game, they'd take it. Like shooting over 40 percent from deep and having a low turnover figure and doing decently well on the glass and holding Devin Booker to an off shooting at like. Maybe their game plan's better, and I'm giving them credit for it. And you're you're all over it that the Suns just made these tough middies and made it impossible for them to be in the game. Yeah, and the question there is just can you get a game, especially like can you get game two? Can you get a game in game two where they don't, where they right. just now Booker didn't shoot great tonight. Booker can play better in game two, right? And that's the the uphill climb. Like the Mavs are going to need 
multiple things to go their way in this series to get wins. Not just like to win the series, but each each of the wins that they would the four that they would need, they're gonna need multiple things to go their way. Like if, if both teams just played a level, the Suns are better. That's why they're the number one seed and and way up there. And the Mavs have a very like limited they don't have the versatility. They sacrificed their versatility with Porzingis for a lot of reasons, but amongst that was like, they went all in on small ball, five out switch all, which works. Except if you're facing somebody like Deandre Ayton, that can really hurt you with that. And Chris Paul, who can really hurt you with that. The problem with Chris Paul is like, you could switch on him and he's still going to find his way into those freaking shots. He's just incredible about finding space. He scored by accident. (laughs) He tried to do, I don't even know what he tried to do. He tried to pull the ball back off like a half drive at the elbow and lost it and and had to reach behind himself and spin around and he just drilled the top of the key jumper. I was like, wait, that was not on purpose. There's no way he meant to do that. Also, I have to get it in. The I predict the Mavs win zero games in the series if JaVale McGee has a strip on Luka coast-to-coast dunk in every game. That was awesome. Even if it's just one play, to see JaVale do that made me very happy. <laughs> yeah, I, I tweeted that Luka's going to have to retire after that. I don't, that's just, I don't make the rules. That's just how it goes. Um, all right, let's take a break. Uh, we'll come back and we'll wrap up and talk about which team we think is in a better spot to steal game two on the road, the teams that lost. And... We've got some Sacramento Kings coaching news because who doesn't love a little Kings on a Tuesday? Kings on a Tuesday. We'll do that when we come back on Locked On NBA. But first, I got to tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Uh, I managed to get the heat before the Joel Embiid news at minus three and a half. So that was a win. I had the under in Heat Mavericks, so or uh, in the Maverick Suns. So, of course, you know, the Suns shooting hotter than, well, you know, was not great for me, but overall pretty good night for me. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of major league baseball season. Bet online's your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting playoffs, esports, and more head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action bet online where the game starts. We'll be right back on locked on NBA. Back here on locked on NBA. Thanks for making us part of your day and your first listen each and every day. Make sure to follow Tony on Twitter. I'm supposed to, to plug this show in the spot. That's in our reads. And every time I get to the spot and I'm like, I don't know what to plug. So follow Tony on Twitter. Cause Tony's awesome. Tony. I did not know before I started doing the show and I absolutely love him. And he's absolutely terrific. His Pacers analysis is great. And it's WNBA season. Very excited for WNBA season at T East NBA. Follow him on Twitter, Tony. Uh, okay. You got the Sixers without Joel Embiid on a night where the heat screwed around and then easily won. And you got the Dallas Mavericks where Luka goes for 45 and it doesn't matter. Which team do you think has a better chance of stealing game two? I'd say the Mavs. And I think it kind of, you know, I just said it, so it's kind of fresh in my mind anyway. But like a lot of the box score stuff, and I again, I watched the game, like it didn't feel this way. But a lot of the box score stuff suggests like they've got a way to get it done. You know, they can generate enough open threes to do it, even if it's not the guys that they necessarily want to shoot them. And Luca knows how to how to cook this team. Apparently, him and he had 45. If he can do that again, that's always impressive. And, you know, the Sixers, Doc Rivers, we talked about it too. Like, he'll get in his own way. They don't have the center rotation to get it done. And all playoffs long and for a while, James Harden, I guess he was really good in the closeout game in Toronto. I shouldn't totally belittle his first-round series. But, like, he hasn't been the dude that he had, you know, that he was for Houston. And even then he had some, some concerning playoff performances, right? So 
I think the Sixers could do it. I mean, they've they've got James Harden and shooters. Like that's a good enough recipe to maybe win. But it seems like the Mavs have more stuff figured out. And when you have Luka Doncic and the defense, they have right. They have a good enough defense to, in theory, make things harder for the Suns next game. I think they have a better shot of winning their next game than the Sixers do. Yeah, I think they can hang. I think they'll, they'll have an opportunity. And anytime you get into these these kind of clutch time moments, Luka can just go bonkers and steal it. Right? Like that's that's kind of the advantage. Um, I what's this is tough for me because I like the Heat versus the Sixers with Embiid. Like I like that matchup. And anyway. yeah, yeah. And so you take Embiid out, and I'm like, all right. So now they don't have to worry about Embiid. They don't have to. They don't have to devote those resources to him. Um, the Heat definitely. I think their big concern has got to be just taking their foot off the gas. And they did screw around in that first in that second quarter. I think this, the risk will be there. I don't expect the Sixers to just give up. I don't think the Sixers. Like the Sixers, I think have dudes like Tyrese Maxey is still like he had a rough time defensively, but he's like, he's going to go right back at you. I think he's got the right approach. Um, they need a few more guys and God knows they need to hit some threes. Uh, Nyang, whew, he was really good in the regular season. He has been awful, awful in the playoffs. If Nyang is not going to hit threes, they're absolutely done. Cause he can't defend in space either. Uh, he have so many guys that can defend in space. So I kind of agree with you. I think, I do think it's an interesting question of with the Mavs, if Luca goes for 45, you were in it at the end, but you trailed for, for the entirety of the game and didn't feel like you were in it until the end. Is that your best shot? Like, do you like, do you kind of try and break them of that by being like, Hey, we got 45 and eight from Luca. If we get 50 and 10 from Luca, we win this game. Like I, I'm serious, like because I don't know the Suns' game plan right now, and from what I saw, the Suns' game plan was definitely not like we got to make sure we don't get Luca going. Their game plan was we can win this game with offense as long as we don't let everybody on the Mavs get loose. Yes, yes, that is true. Uh, I don't know. I just it would, you know for the Mavs side, like if. if if Luca can do that, maybe the the Suns will switch up their coverages or something. Um, Bridges was on Doncic a lot. Like maybe they could go to Jake Crowder and change it up and just let him get to the fifty. And then now they're shutting off someone else. I don't know. I just I think the Mavs have more buttons to push to win another game than the Sixers do. Also, to your point about picking the Heat over the Sixers, like I think if Embiid didn't have a torn ligament in his thumb, maybe if he was playing the whole series, I could pick the Sixers in seven. But even with him returning, like I. I don't think they have much of a chance, and they really need to win Game Two. And I still think they have less of a chance than Dallas. Yeah, I mean that's that's. I mean it's going to be be pretty tough, right? Like these both these teams are are up against it, a hundred percent up to O in the semifinals. Uh, teams that are at home for game for the to start the series, uh, they're up to O. They are fifty six and six. Wow, in the semis, all time two sixty seven and twenty. That's a ninety-three percent winning percentage. Seems good. Seems good. Do who do you think? Let's flip it now. Of the home teams that lost, who's more likely to win and defend their home court in Game Two? The Grizzlies or the Celtics? Celtics. I I like the Celtics a lot. I didn't even think about it. (laughs) It's. I mean, poor Grizzlies, man. No, like I had never one shot away from winning, and I'm like, yeah, I still believe in the Warriors. (laughs) I mean, I think the Warriors are going to win that series. I do think. It is there is a just a lot of like man these are all gonna be quick series like, these guys don't have a chance and 
I just keep wanting to be like, guys, do you not learn after the the Mavs loss of the T Utah in game one without Luca, everybody's like, Mavericks don't have enough. Come on. This game, this series, the Jazz are gonna get by that. Me, hand up, me. I yeah. did that. <laughs> yeah. And so that that didn't work out. Um I think there's just it's natural to overreact to game one, and game one's important. Like it does increase your winning percentage by a huge, huge mark. Let's let's give these things a little let's let them breathe. Let them let them they might turn into stinkers. These might be quick series. Uh, but I think that there's a lot of adjustments to be made on on both ends. The biggest thing that I've kind of taken away from the first the first four games of the second round, the game ones, is I think every single team that played can play better. There wasn't anybody that had just like a monster performance where I'm like, they played awesome. That's the level they need to be at. Like even the Bucks, like Giannis, I think missed shots that were extremely well defended. But I do think that I think they can play better. I think I think all the teams can play better. And if you know, if I think if the, the Warriors play to their best, they're going to beat the the Grizzlies. I think if the Celtics play to their best, that's kind of a coin flip versus the Bucks, depending on what happens. But I do like the Celtics to bounce back in Game Two for sure. What do you think? Yeah, I think the Celtics will make more than. 10 two-pointers, which is still just a, a ridiculous destiny. They 10 the whole game. The, the first round is showing the value of two-pointers with the Suns doing this and the Heat doing this, who are very much inside the arc or te- more inside the arc teams. And then to see the Celtics completely have a – they shot 53s and hit 36% of them, and they still lost by double figures because they could only have 10 two-pointers. All that to say, yeah, I, think, I mean, the Celtics' shot quality wasn't like – awesome but it wasn't that bad like i think they'll definitely have a more natural scoring night in their next game if smart can't play i'll have a little bit of concerns for them but if he can i think the celtics have a good chance of bouncing back just from natural progression that said you get a nine from 25 Giannis game and you still lose by double digits i don't know i'm not like like thrillingly confident in them but i still think they have a much better shot of bouncing back than memphis who played really well was able to fight back into it and just one slip up on clay and you lose like you have to play really well as memphis to be able to beat that Golden State team. Before we get out of here, uh, Mark Stein reports that Mark Jackson has advanced to ownership interviews for the Sacramento Kings job, and there is increasing confidence in him as a leading candidate. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll let you get don't, some thoughts out. Don't, 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 don't. I'll, like, I'll say this. Uh, Mark wasn't a bad coach for Golden State. Okay, mm, that's a bad Mark. Mark wasn't a bad coach in terms of the record, right? So, like, the Warriors didn't lose more games than they won with Mark Jackson. They were pretty much in the dump when he got there, and he developed them and he instilled a culture of like toughness and accountability, sometimes a little bit too much so. And the offense was definitely pedestrian. And like, the fact that everyone's like, hey, they didn't have a top 10 offense with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, absolutely true. Like, completely valid needed to go Steve Kerr was the right hire etc I'm just saying that if you're a franchise like the Kings and all you're searching for is baseline competency for the first time in literally two decades he wouldn't be my choice of those options I do think that because he's such a mm, because of his particular style of broadcast there tends to be a, a perception of him that he is outright bad. And there's a very big gap between bad and not good enough. And that is, I think an important distinction to make. 
The last time Mark Jackson was a head coach of a basketball team, Jermaine O'Neal was on his team. Like, wow. <laughs> everybody forgets Jermaine O'Neal played for the Warriors. Um, and, okay, I agree that on the court, he did a pretty good job with the Warriors. I think that not playing Draymond is – is uh, this might be – I might be overthinking this. So if I am, I, I apologize. If you think this is dumb listening, I'm apologizing. But like playing – David Lee was good. Like he was an all-star at one point for a reason. But Draymond was also awesome. And the fact that he continued to lean on David Lee for so long over Draymond was like kind of even at the time people knew that Draymond should be playing more. And Steve Kerr right away was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm playing this dude all the time. I want more minutes here. And so for a Kings team that's younger – you know, favoring vets would not necessarily be something that I would find beneficial for them just from a purely on-court perspective. I do agree that a kind of kick-your-ass old-school coach can be helpful for a franchise that has had all-over-the-place junk and weirdness for forever and ever and ever. And, and like, you know, Sam Amex said their finalists are Steve Clifford, Mark Jackson, Mike Brown. Like, that is three of those guys, right? Like, three guys who are very principled in their coaching methods. Like, I think the Kings are clearly going for a type here, and Mark Jackson is that type. I don't think that's a type they should be going for as right. a young, growing team, but I get, I guess I get why they're doing that, if that makes sense. You have Sabone as a very creative player. Yeah. You need to do something creative with Fox. You have Davion Mitchell. I don't know. Like, yeah, I'm with you on that, on that aspect. I think the very one thing I will say, like, the reason that we knew that Draymond should play more is because he did get playing time under Jackson. So like, that's kind of the, 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 the counter argument is like, yeah, I think, we they, knew I think that could have been a dumb point, but, and that team didn't like have a, like a really lopsided veteran young, like setup. It just I mean, they did have, they did have Jermaine O'Neal. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> who played, who played in their rotation? Who played? Who played? Yeah, uh, I, like when I saw Will Hardy's name, I, not to, like get too into the weeds on this, but like, I was like, Oh, that that's it. You know, like that, that's, that's not guy. necessarily him, but just like that kind of guy seems like it would make sense from a King's perspective, like not bashing your head against the wall with Luke Walton and Alvin. No, no offense to those look like Alvin Gentry. I think Alvin Gentry is a fine coach, but not for the Kings. Like Will Hardy's name seems like perfect to me. I was very surprised. I'm very surprised that he's him or someone else. Who's been one of those top assistants with a good offensive mind. Isn't still involved in this. I mean, like the, the NBA internet's always going to want the young uh, up and coming assistant coach and those are typically things that i tend to resist but this is one where i'm like completely in lockstep well, like, no. and i covered the bjorker near like i i get the pitfalls of how that can yeah. go too you know yeah. you never you never know with those guys good, never call. good call all right it's gonna wrap uh, that's gonna wrap it up for locked on nba thanks for joining us we'll be back tomorrow with the recaps of game two of celtics bucks and Warriors Grizzlies. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe and find us on YouTube. Hit us up with five-star reviews wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for joining us. For Tony East, I'm Matt Moore. We'll see you guys again next time on Locked on NBA.